the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. You got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell. And wishing everybody a happy new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Carrie, you survived the uh, the polar bomb. Yeah, okay. we 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 kept power. We kept yeah. I turned I turned on my heat anyway, but our pipes were good. I had water. My well water worked. I was I, we were good. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully all the listeners made it safe. Um, some of our family had, you know, trouble, you know, couldn't make it up for Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. You know, they were expecting to. Um, you know, a terrible turnpike. turnpike yeah, and yeah. I had family, you too, coming from the turnpike. Yeah, they would. You know, luckily, they weren't planning on coming on that day, or they would have been caught right, right in the middle of that. Um, but also, you know, we have family and friends in Buffalo, and boy, was that. Oh, my goodness. That was terrible. Um, you know, so it, it was a bad one. And so now, again, we're taping this show on Wednesday, the 28th, because of the holiday schedule going into the weekend. So it seems a little bit sunnier and brighter today, mm-hmm. and it looks it's looking pretty good for the New Year's Eve weekend. So, Carrie, end of the year show, we always like to thank all our listeners and all our clients for uh, helping us continue this process. Mm-hmm. And I like today, I'm just going to kind of focus in on what I think well what I'll be watching is the major financial stories or developments for the new year 2023 and specifically on the financial side and I'm just going to go through some of those I I'll see how many I can get through today and it, it's just the idea that it, it brings back to you know the home that we're very active planners at the estate planning team. In other words, we always say what you did last year in terms of for your financial planning might not be what you do this year and might not be what you do next year. Each year kind of stands alone and you have to deal with whatever circumstances you're facing in any given year. Now you may go through the same motions or the same sometimes we call them templates. 
about like, for example, if you are at required minimum distribution age. Well, yeah, you got to make sure you, you know, beginning of the year, you get what those RMDs are. Right. And you, and you start that cheat sheet where you're writing, especially if you've got multiple tax qualified accounts. And if you're in a, 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 your spouse may have multiple. So between the two of you, you may have six accounts. We have some clients who've got double digit right. tax qualified accounts and trying mm-hmm. to keep track of all those RMDs. And of course, we have the new RMD rules. That's one of the things we'll be talking about. So the idea is, yeah, you, so every year you've got to, you know, keep track of that. But what you do this year, for example, when you take out your RMD might not be what you did last year. Right. How much tax withholding you're going to, you need or want to elect this year might not be just what you did last year. Right. Your cash flow needs may be different this year. So those are some of the things where we're saying, yeah, that's being active planning and, and, and looking into the future and saying, yeah, I'm just not going to do what I did last year. Um, so I, I mean, so let's see, what do I've got on my list, Carrie? Um, well, certainly we'll talk about the Secure Act 2 mm-hmm. that now has become law, right? You know, so right. when we did last week's show, again, early in the week, we had just gotten word or just gotten right. the 4,100 pages that the Senate put out. Which I'm sure they all read before they voted well, on it. Of course they did. Uh, and, and which is ridiculous. Which it, buried in the middle of that 4,100 pages was the SECURE Act too. And now that has become law. So if we went through the Senate, you know, we had, you know, we knew Mitch McConnell must have had his 10 votes, um, went through the Senate, passed through the House. And then, of course, President Biden has signed it. So now it has become law. And I'm sure there were some late changes, but I don't think, Carrie, there's I haven't really seen if there's any major changes to the Secure Act part of the, right. the bill. Um so, so we'll do that. Also, you know, talk about maybe the, the, this may be the most anticipated recession ever, Carrie. Okay. You know, I mean, how many people are saying recession 2023? Yeah. Um, I remember 2020 was a big of that too. Remember right. they were, and, and 20, it didn't happen. Well, it kind of did with the Rona. It was, it was right, kind of, a, but it, it with, wasn't, a, if it wasn't the Rona, it would have happened. Right. Um, I mean, when they were predicting it, they, no one was talking about a pandemic. They were just thinking that financially, the tr- the, the historical financial recession mm-hmm. was going to happen in 2020. Right. What happened is we had a pandemic that caused it. Um, inflation, still a big story. Although, again, I think there's data showing that inflation has peaked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll well, that's good news if um, that's the case. The, uh, you know, one of the things we may be looking at is the, 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 the comeback of the 60-40 allocation, investment okay. allocation. You know, it was dead in 2022. We know that. Um, is it going to be dead in 2023 with the recession? We'll see. Um, um, and maybe, uh, too, and we're also maybe on the student loan debt. Um, Which that's on hold. Right. The Supreme Court will take, or now they've, they've agreed to hear two cases. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to get through. In all honesty, well, because I yeah. didn't think Biden had had the authority to do that. Well, it's it's a fine, yeah, it's a gray area, you know. And I think the, it's caused too much co- confusion because what if I just paid it? I mean, it, it, it's just it, it's it can't be fair in that. Yeah, and and I don't know. So oral arguments will begin in February. 
Um, and I think it's going to be complicated. And it's expected to have a Supreme Court decision by end of June, which also is the end of the latest moratorium on student debt payments, right? Okay. Um, they're they're again they're put off till the end of June, mm-hmm. or when if the Supreme Court comes in right. with a quicker decision, that you know will decide it. Um, all right, but you know, <laughs> there's also though the whole thing about the. Uh, I don't know if you saw this over the um, over the of the holiday, um, but th- if I find this, I don't know if I don't know if I got it. Um, you know, just the idea of how much off that you know. You know, remember when the federal government took over the student loan industry? Right. right? Remember, it was going to be better. It was going to be. It was going to be a <laughs> revenue generator, right. for the government. Exactly. It wasn't supposed. Okay. It wasn't going to be beneficial to students. So, and now actually, it has not been a revenue generator. Oh, you mean the government took over something and didn't do well? So wow, the, <laughs> that's surprising. The famous Government Accountability Office, the GAO. Now, their latest reports are saying that actually it's been a loser for mm, the government. And a loser for the student loan. Originally, the Department of Education estimated that the federal direct loans made in the last 25 years would generate billions of income for the federal government. Its current estimates show the loans will cost the government billions, especially if mm-hmm. they forgive them, right? Um, so originally, the program was to generate $114 billion an extra income. But in reality, the GAO projects that the program will end up costing the federal government $197 billion. Mm, That's only great. a $311 billion swing, Gary. Dang. I think that the biggest winners are the colleges that keep wow, increasing costs. So further, prog- uh, further, the program had been costing taxpayers around $10 billion annually since 1997. <laughs> That's insane. And guess what? We just added more... D- more debt. Mm. Okay. Um, and, and originally, the Department of Education was forecasting a profit in all but four years between 1997 and 2021. Those 25 years, Gary, right? So they were thinking that maybe there'd be four negative years and the rest of the years would all be positive. But in reality, that hasn't really taken place. Mm-hmm. So in reality, every year except one has resulted in a loss. Oh, my gosh. That's right. even worse. Uh, and that was one small gain in 2012. Oh, my goodness. Um, another way the GAO looked at it or broke it down, if this shows you uh, how d- d- miserable this program is, originally the program was to generate $6 in income for every $100 loaned. Mm. Okay. In reality, the program loses $9 <laughs> for every $100. Who designed this? Yeah. Oh, so, my goodness. We'll see. So I don't know. And then, but I do feel bad for the students. They were kind of got those letters saying that yeah. their loans were approved. And then it was like, oops, that letter shouldn't have gone out to you. Right. And we thought from the originally that Biden didn't have the legal right. power to do it on his own. And then he thought he did. Because of the, I don't know. We'll see what the Supreme Court says. Mm, it'll be right, interesting. Get us started here. All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. And we're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information, financial news that may impact you and make you aware of issues and choices that you may have, whether you're someone who is working 
or if you're already in your retirement years. And we're sponsored by the estate planning team, who is an Ohio registered affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm. What we do at the estate planning team is financial modeling, number crunching, objective, unbiased analysis, and showing people what steps to take and strategies to use in preparing for retirement and then during your retirement years to create the income you need as tax efficiently as possible, help you know if you're underspending, overspending, modeling in worst case scenarios so that you're comfortable with decisions and also helping with timing of social security, pension election options, IRA district or company distribution planning, which can be huge opportunities. We've talked in the last couple of months on the show periodically and talked about case studies, Roth conversions, what opportunities that you may be missing out on because it's the little things that can make a big impact, especially if you're doing and take those little things over and over again. And it's about taking advantage of opportunities in such a complicated tax code. We've been around more than 35 years in the greater Cleveland area and are accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau. Um, We've won super service awards on Angie's list and you can check out our Google reviews. Also, we offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation. And we're scheduling now through actually the first quarter of 2023, either by phone or in person. And if you fill out a planning guide, um, which is our information gathering packet and send it back, we actually for that free consultation, prepare preliminary analysis, which helps us determine how we can help you and what are options that you have um, if you need a little bit of help, a lot of help, um, and what your needs are and opportunities. And I think that analysis is eye-opening for many people. So if you want to start the new year off right, be proactive when it comes to your financial life and, and get clarity. And as much as planning is about saving money and solving problems, it's about clarity on the things that are possible, what you can be doing and addressing your concerns. And you can take advantage of that free consultation at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website, and also you can sign up for our newsletter at financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Thanks, Carrie. So let's talk about some of what I think will be the big stories, financial stories of 2023. And of course, I'm going to start off with the SECURE Act 2.0, right? You know, they've now become law. And I did this a little bit on last week's show, so you can go back and listen to the podcast at your convenience. But I'll also, so there may be some repeat, but I think people are going to hear this a few, are going to have to hear this a few times, Gary, because it's not easy. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's even when you get into the details. So the headlines, the bullet points may seem pretty simple, but actual implementation is not so simple. And, right. And, and that's what's going to, the complexity is what I'm afraid is going to, you know, really prevent compliance. Um, all right. So I'm and today, Kara, I'm going to do the Forbes top nine bullet points. Okay. Okay. Forbes magazine, of course, you're familiar with. So this is Forbes top nine points about what's important in the Secure Act, too. All right. And of course, they start out with the new higher raised required minimum distribution age. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which so, that's a big one. Right. And this is what a lot of our clients were waiting to hear. And it, it's, you know, it's now going to be in place. So basically, this is the bullet point that you're trying to, you know, remember. 
If an individual attains age 72 after 12-31-22 and age 73 before 1-1-20-33, their applicable required minimum age is 73. Okay. So that may be an opportunity for people who thought you were having to take minimum required distribution that opened up a window another year possibly. Right. So so we've had, we were at clients who they were also trying to decide, well, what is my required minimum going to be next year if they were turning 72 next year? And whether they were going to defer it till April 1st of the following year um, or not. And by the way, also, they knew that once the required minimum begins, that limits, like, for example, the Roth conversion process, because, you know, the law doesn't allow you to convert your required minimum distribution to Roth IRA. So, so they were, you know, now they're saying, okay, now those individuals know that they have another year. Okay, so first they got to adjust what their cash flow, because if they thought that they were going to get some cash flow from the RMD, now they know, well, that may not be the way, you know, they, they can still take money out of the IRA, but they don't have to. So, we are, you know, they still have to, comp- you know, figure out where their cash flow is going to come from. They still have to figure out, uh, you know, if they do take money out of IRA, maybe it's somewhere different than what the RMD would have been, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they did need the whole RMD for spending, but they right. needed part of it. So it's back to those types of situations. So they're adjusting, <clears throat> we're adjusting those plans accordingly. Now, there's a second piece. So now the, it goes up again from 73 to 75 in 10 years from now. Okay, so any individual who attains age 74 after 123132 their applicable age for RMDs is 75. Okay. So once again, individual who attains age 72 after 12-31-22 and age 73 before 1-1-20-33, applicable age is 73. Okay. okay. Individual who attains age 74 after 12-31-32, the applicable age is 75. Um. All right. Secondly, this is the Forbes top nine bullet points from the Secure Act 2. Increase in catch-up contribution limits. So the Secure Act 2 will keep the age 50 catch-ups and allow new ones. 401k and 403b plans starting in 2025. Hmm. This is some of the complexity. Keeping right. track of when these all go into effect. <laughs> and they're not. They're not all 2023. They're all different. Okay. So, starting in 2025, the catch-up contribution will become the greater of ten thousand dollars, or a hundred and fifty percent of the catch-up limit for individuals between age sixty and sixty-three. <laughs> Jeez. Let's make it more complicated. Okay, so it's not going up for everyone. Now, remember, this is is the catch-up for the qualified plans, the 401Ks and the 403Bs, right? So, um, yeah, and and starting in 2026, the catch-up will be indexed for inflation. That's what we were hoping for. And, you know, that, hey, just why don't you put the inflation factor on the catch-up? You know, which was never embedded into the law. Now that is, but again, not starting to 2026. Now you've got this crazy additional catch up for ages 60 to 63. How are people going to keep track of this, Gary? 
Okay. Um, now, how about IRAs? Okay, so right now the $1,000 catch-up limit will be indexed for inflation for tax year starting in 2024. Why it's not starting in 2023, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Why it's not starting in 2025, I don't know. Um, it's starting in 2024. Okay, um, number three, allow companies to make 401k matching contributions based on student loan payments. So the SECURE Act 2 would permit employers to make matching contributions to employee 401k and 403b retirement plan, even if the worker isn't saving themselves. In the bill, workers facing the decision to pay off student loans or save for retirement could have a portion of their student loan payments matched by their employer and contributed to their retirement plan. Now, all right. They also say, keep in mind, matching contributions are often voluntarily, so it would be up to the plan as to whether to adopt this provision. Especially for smaller employers, record keeping become burdensome. See, this is why I call the Secure Act 2 that you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right. Because, first of all, I mean, I've noticed over the decades that employer matching contributions have gone down. Oh, Absolutely. Now, across the board, I mean, we certainly we saw that in the Great Recession where they just eliminated them right. in a lot of cases. And then we saw some of them come back a lot smaller. And, scaled if we, back. and if we do have a recession, the next recession, are they going to be eliminated again? So is this a big I don't know. I mean, hopefully, I, I mean, but at least, you know, you, you got to have your kids, you know, investigate it. Right. If they are paying student loans, make sure they they do the paperwork with their company. If the company doesn't have a match, right, free money. And if they're gonna, if the company decides to do it, okay, um, okay. The fourth bullet point that Forbes wants to recognize is the five twenty nine plan to Roth IRA rollovers. Now this is one. Now that sounds good, and I'm right. sure you talked last week. There's going to be a lot of headlines. But there's a little bit more yeah, to it. I can't even repeat what I read last week. If you're right. interested, go to last week's podcast. <laughs> right. And I read a few paragraphs of the in, uh, the complexity, complexity of this the provision. confusion. The the bullet point is this: the act includes language that would allow tax and penalty free rollovers from 529 college saving plans to Roth IRAs with limitations. The lifetime rollover limit is thirty five thousand. And beneficiaries must move funds between a 529 plan and a Roth IRA in their name. Okay. <coughs> the 529 account must have been open for over 15 years. Provisions are subject to ordering rules and Roth contribution limits, so additional detail will be necessary here. Mm. So, but you're going to see headlines that say, oh, you can try. No. Yeah, you can but roll you over 529s you, to Ross. But you have to have it there for 15 years. It has to be the beneficiary. There's a lot of if, then, what, and it sounds like we need clarification. And 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 keeping track of all these complicated uh, contribution limits. And which year, because most people do a little bit each year. So how is that going to come into play? Now, just a sidebar here, Carrie, is that we have been telling our, we've been helping our clients try to make that decision. And especially we're talking about our grandparents who are looking uh-huh. to fund college education plans for their grandchildren. And then they get a little Ohio savings on their tax return. Right. 
And but that's the key, a little bit of Ohio tax savings, right? Right. Um, but what you know, since the advent of the much higher federal state tax exemption rules, there are many, many people who aren't worried about estate taxes anymore. Mm-hmm. And so having a large Roth IRA at the time of their death isn't exposing them to any federal state tax. Right. See, that was one of the reasons in the early days, especially when the federal state tax exemption was only 600000 is that why grandma and grandpa wasn't keeping Roth IRAs around was because if they died with them, it would still be subject to a 50% estate tax. Mm-hmm. So what they were doing is that they were f- making using their annual gift allowance and contributing to a, a grandchild's 529 plan. By the way, grandma and grandpa could be custodians of it. Right. They could control the purse strings. But the law said at the time of their death, gra- meaning grandma and grandpa, if the fund had still money in it, it would not be subject to the grandma and grandpa's estate tax. Mm-hmm. So that's why that was the preferred method for many high net worth uh, pay, um, clients or, mm-hmm. or uh, taxpayers. But since we're now, you know, we're not concerned about federal state taxes. All right. So then the decision is we started talking to our clients. Well, maybe grandma and grandpa, maybe you don't want to fund the 529 plan because, yeah, maybe you're getting a little bit of Ohio deduction, Mm -hmm. but you also now have to comply with all the qualified distribution rules of the 529. Right. Okay. Whereas maybe you just want to do your Roth conversions and just have a Roth IRA that you can Dish out anytime you want to the grandchild, mm-hmm. tax free, without any you know limitations. For which means if they didn't go to school, maybe or, they were doing something else. You wanted to help them with their first house or whatever funding. Yeah, and so anyway, so that this is kind of that same concept that you can roll a five twenty nine to a Roth IRA. All right, um, so we're reviewing the. Top nine bullet points for the Secure Act 2, according to Forbes magazine. Okay, number five, Roth 401ks also exempt from RMDs. So this is good news. Yeah. So it, um, Because and- your Roth IRA is exempt, but if you left a, your company plan in a Roth 401k, you, they were subject to minimum, although you paid no taxes. Right. You still had to take those out. And a lot of people weren't even aware of that. Right. So they said, oh, I'll just leave it there, where in essence, they probably could have rolled it to a Roth IRA and avoided it, right. but the people don't know. And a lot of people said, I, I, you know, I like my company plan. Maybe it's the Ohio 457, you know, Ohio Deferred Right, which has plan. great options, low cost versus... Yeah. And, and they said, I, you know, but it's got that, you know, I don't want the requirement. So anyways, um, so that has now changed. Um so now in the bill, Roth 401k plans would also be freed from mandatory distributions starting in 2024, 2025. Good, 2024, Carrie. I was going to guess. It's not going to be <laughs> not next 2023. year. Yeah. Um, all right. So 2024. Um, all right. Um, number six, penalty for missing RMDs is cut in half. So Which this, that was good because it was fifty percent before. Yeah, and and of course, I you know, and a lot of people who uh, first time offenders of missing the requirement, a lot of times they could get out of the fifty percent penalty. There's a form, right? But you couldn't do that every year. No, you, you wouldn't make a good practice to try to request that abatement every year. So currently, the penalty for missing a required minimum distribution is a whopping 50%. Yeah. The act would cut this in half to 25%. Still not... That's still steep because yeah. that's a, that, that's 50% of the RMD you missed. But here is a little bit of the complication. Oh. Okay. 
also, if corrected in a timely fashion, okay. I guess later to be determined by the IRS, the penalty would be reduced to 10%. Oh, okay. This part of the bill would be effective in 2023. Okay. okay. Um, all right. Uh, number seven, qualified charitable distribution limits increased. Now, again, sounds good. Right. But really, does it, is it necessary? Because the The cap, limit was already 100000 100000 I mean, I do. I mean, how many listeners out there are planning to do more than 100000 in qualified charitable distributions I'm this gonna year? I'm going to go on a limb and say not many. N- not many. I wonder how many in the whole country are doing it. Not many. Um, all right. So is this a bit, is it, is this a middle tax? Uh, no, middle that's not tax a middle break? tax break. That's I mean, who not is even this for? I was going to say that's the upper 1%. I, I guess the charities love this. Oh, right. But I'm saying that's going to go for the upper. What did it go up to, Mark? Okay. So starting in 2023. Oh, another one for next year. <laughs> get this one out wow. of there. Because everyone's going to jump at this one. Oh, yeah. Um, starting in 2023, the current $100,000 limit. Um, will be indexed for inflation. So it's okay. it, that's really the increase. Qualified charitable distributions, or QCDs, allow taxpayers over age 70 and a half. Remember, the age 70 and a half isn't changing. It has nothing to do with the RMD rules that used to be 70 and a half, currently 72, going to 73, and eventually okay. 75. The QCD is a separate part of the law. When it was written, the age was 70 and a half. But also, a, a fine point, you have to attain age 70 and a half. Okay. So remember in your RMDs, if you turned, uh, you, you know, if you turn the applicable age in June, you could still do your RMD in January. It would, it's, it would count. It's not the same rule for QCDs. You can't execute the QCD till you have attained age 70 and a half. All right. Um, minor point a lot of people don't, you know, miss. Um, Okay, so where was I at? Okay, allow taxpayers over age seven and a half to contribute to a charity from their IRA and avoid the recognition of income on the donated amount. Okay, the act will also permit one-time gifts of 50000 through a charitable trust or gift annuity. Now, that's a new spin. Mm-hmm. So that was, I don't remember that being any part of the original um, bills, you know, the, the Secure Act. You know, remember there were various right. bills in the House and Senate um, that where they had that. And I'm not sure. So that, I, you know, what's the detail there? That you could, you know, one-time gifts through a charitable trust or a gift annuity. There's some complexity there. Okay. Um, again, going through Forbes' top nine bullet points of the new Secure Act, too. Number eight, other Roth changes. Okay. So under current law, SEP and simple retirement plans cannot have a designated Roth IRA account. The Secure Act 2.0, you know, participants of these plans could have the option for contributions, employer funding to be treated as Roth starting in 2023. Okay. All right. Um, now that's good news. Remember, originally it was just Roth IRAs, Carrie, right? Right. Then it was Roth 401ks, you know, the government allowed. Mm-hmm. Then more recently it was the, uh, the 457 plans were allowed to do Roth, uh, you know, options. And so now it's, they're f- coming full circle. SEP and simple retirement plans can now offer Roth options. 
Okay. Um, the bill would also require participants to make catch-up contributions to a Roth account in 401, 403B, and 457 plans starting in 2024. So this is uh, this is good news, bad news. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so what this is saying is those catch-up contributions were currently they're pre-tax. Okay. So you're you're um, you're you're getting uh, what you're getting a tax deduction. Right, and you, by putting more. Yeah, in. I didn't mean to say pre-tax. I meant a tax right. deduction. So, so in other words, you make the additional catch-up contribution, you're getting a deduction from your taxable income for that year. Right. Okay. Um, that's what's changing. So partly what the government's saying to pay for this bill, they are now saying that those catch-up contributions have to be, you know, well, I guess it's, you know, after so it, tax. So it's, it's after, after tax. tax. It's, it's, yeah, it's, not pre, it's after tax. So I don't get any tax benefit for my catch-up anymore? Well, it's a Roth, though. Oh, so, so it really tax, doesn't matter. Yeah, so it it's now in anyway. the Roth, so it's not going to be taxed on the way out. Right. So that it's the same. It's the same dilemma that if you have right now. If you have the choice of funding a tax deductible IRA right. or a Roth IRA, okay, it's you don't get the tax benefit savings. Yeah. So in this case, for the catch-up contribution, where it was originally all pre-tax, you get a deduction for it. Now it's going to be forced to be Roth. So you're not going to get the tax okay. deduction. Um, but but here's the but. All right. There is an exception for workers earning less than $145,000. Okay, here's the if, then, what. <laughs> now, how they came up with $145,000, I don't know. so complicated for people to administer and just and, monitor. And the $145,000 is indexed. For, uh, for So it means it's not going to stay at one forty five. So every year but you're going to But I'm thinking the custodians are going to love They're going to pull their hair hate this. Right. How are you people going to comply with this? Who's going to watch all understand it, right? Um, and, and again, there ain't no 87,000 new IRS agents going to be hired. No, they year. can't even find people for... Um, all right. So let me repeat that again, because that's already confusing me. Uh, the bill would also require participants to make catch-up contributions to a Roth account in 401s, 403Bs, 457s, plans starting in 2024. Okay, uh, meaning it, it will be after tax. You don't get a tax deduction for it, but the good news, it's in Roth IRA. It won't be taxed when you take it out. Um, and there is the exception if you're earning less than $145,000. Okay, now, a third part. The bill also enables employers to allow employees to elect matching contributions in a Roth account versus pre-tax, effective immediately. Okay, so so that's where now, whereas under the current law, um, the matching contributions were always pre-tax. Okay, um, um, and you know, you know, and, and now though, it's it's not. Um, you you can you can elect, or the employer can offer the option mm-hmm. to employees that the certain employee wants it to be a Roth match. They can elect that. Okay. So again, what, whether the company is going to choose to take on all this, these rules and match dog it, I don't know. Right. I mean, it's all. So the government's saying, okay, employers, it's up to you. 
You can either offer the, the company match to be uh, traditional or Roth. And an employee can make their choice. Well, how much work does that add for the, the payroll person or whoever is mm-hmm. hired at the company to do this? Right. Um, okay, number nine, uniform 401k rollover rules. Okay. Um, so this was kind of, I'm surprised Forbes listed this as one of their important bullet points, but they did. So if you ever tried to take money out of an old employer plan, you were likely frustrated with, with the opaque and antiquated process. The Secure Act 2 would try to modernize the direct rollover process by requiring the Treasury Secretary to standardize the process using sample forms. Unfortunately, this may not be finalized till 2025. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not really sure where that one's going. Right. Um, yeah, whatever. So anyway, so they, you know, that was the Forbes top nine list. Okay. Well, regardless of that, and if you want help navigating all these complicated complexities and want to learn what opportunities you may be having or have in your situation, do you have um, tax saving opportunities? Are there things that you're worried about? Still inflation and market volatility and the potential recession. And will that material impact your potential retirement date or spending you'd like to do? We can model those what if scenarios and help you be comfortable with your financial decisions. We're not investment advisors either. We look at people's assets in terms of risk growth and tax efficiency and helping people know what growth rate they need to make their plan last. So they're also not taking on more risk than necessary, which could be even more important if you are worried about a recession. We've been around more than 35 years and offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation by phone or in person. And we're scheduling the first quarter of 2023. So if you want to take advantage of it, start the new year off right, you know, take control of your financial life. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Kara Waddell and Mark Donnelly here this morning. Right. In the estate planning team, we've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. Can I soon be saying over 36 years, Carrie? Right? I think we're past that. I just keep forgetting. I think I've been saying 35, Mark, for a few years now. (laughs) All right. Um, So we're we're wishing everybody a happy new year. And hopefully we won't have a deep recession. But certainly I think that is going to be one of the top financial stories that at least we'll be watching at the Mm -hmm. estate planning team for 2023. And I'm going to kind of try to combine a couple of these. Also, Carrie, I'm I'm you know watching. Is the sixty forty allocation going to have a comeback in 2023? Hmm. Um, and because that is very closely tied. In other words, stock market performance is right. often correlated with recessions, and it, <laughs> and not in a good way. Um, so some of the, you know, we could read some of the headlines. You know, Reuters pulled economists and 60% of which believe that we will have a recession in 2023. Mm-hmm. A Bloomberg survey was living about higher. 65% believe that there will be a recession in the next 12 months. Um, 
And a lot of, and what we say, well, do you need to be worried about a recession or a major economic downturn? And this is where you might, you might not, right? Do no. you know? I mean, how many times do people come in and are they're terrified and I can't retire and I can't do this spending and I had these plans and when we run the numbers, even a worst case scenario, well, yeah, you can, or you can maybe do these things, but you only have to scale back maybe the travel or some of the other stuff only by a smaller amount because you don't, you don't know, you don't have a way to measure that long-term effect of this short, this moment in time. Right. And if you were going to try to model or uh, uh, model or add to your model, your financial model, an economic downturn, well, where do you start? What assumptions are you going to make? So we can look at historically. And, and so one of the things, Carrie, that we're worried about recessions is that people lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if you are still working and in a position where if a major economic downturn is going to hurt your company's business, does that mean you could be laid off? That is the big concern, right? Now, if you're already retired, I guess you don't have to worry about that. Right. All right. So, so that's why somebody, you know, again, is it going to bother you? Now, of course, the other, you know, shoe that drops is a further uh, stock market decline, right? Um, now, um, but here's some statistics regarding those. Okay. If you bought the S&P 500 index before any of the last 10 U.S. recessions and held, you would eventually have positive returns in every single case. Hmm. Sometimes you'd be in positive territory with only a few months. That was the last recession, the right. Rona recession in mm-hmm. 2020. So even though it was a 35% drop from peak to trough of the S&P 500, by the end of 2020, the S&P still turned in a 16% return. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, now, sometimes you know, you'd be in, in, in positive territory within only a few months, or in other cases, it would take several years. So that that's kind of you know one way to look at that. Um, um, now, some people may have had dry powder and are waiting and saying, "Okay, I'm expecting the market to drop, and that's when I'm going to buy." Mm-hmm. Well, we always say it's very difficult to time right. the market, and you know you may think you're buying at the bottom, but you really may not. Mm-hmm. Just as it's as it's just as hard to sell at the very top. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, so if you need the money that you plan to invest over the next five years, then it's probably not the time to do it. In other right. words, it, it, because you still, you'd say, well, what if I'm off on my timing? And what if you've got a big ticket item planned and you, you don't want to risk investing that money? In the, the risk is you need it and you have to sell low. Right. So maybe then you go in something fixed that has a little bit a guaranteed shorter term growth. Right. Um, that's that cash reserve. That's your first defense against a major economic downturn. Do you have an adequate cash reserve? So you can keep your lifestyle, your plan spending going without having to sell your stocks low if you don't want to. Right. Uh, um, now, um, over 10 years, okay, if you give yourself a 10-year t- time frame, you're going to probably be okay. Um, but we did have the lost decade, you know, between 1998 and 2008, 
where basically the S&P 500 was flat over those 10 mm-hmm. years. It never happened before. Right. Remember, it was a roller coaster. It went all the way up. Right. Then you had the March 2000 tech bubble bust. Then, and, and, then it bottomed out in about 2002. Then it went all the way back up until 2008 when it, in the Great Recession right. it had it slamming right back down. So basically, it was flat over those 10 years. Um, never happened before. Could happen again. Mm. Uh, you know, but there's never been a 20-year period where the S&P has delivered a negative return. Um, well, that's good news. You're being positive for the new year. But so what? <laughs> so but what? How bad could it be? Okay. Um, mm. Well, so let's look at bear markets. Okay. Um, so since 1948, bear markets have lasted an average of 13 months Ooh. and declined an average of 33 percent. Ouch. Um, and it, it takes about an average 22 months to recoup all the losses. Okay. So that's how you start if you're saying I've got to make an I'm going to make a worst case assumption in my model thinking that we're going to have a, a big economic downturn. Well, do you use a historical average like this? Okay. And maybe that's how you build your model, right? Um it also, though, at, at this, you know, bear markets at times of recessions can be more painful. Okay, lasting an average of fifteen months mm-hmm. as opposed to thirteen months, with an average decline of nearly thirty-five percent as okay. opposed to thirty-three percent. Okay. Um, now, another uh, another source that I've read it, it says that over the past eleven recessions. The S and P five hundred declined between fourteen percent and fifty seven percent. That's a big range, okay. Mark. <laughs> Peak to trough, right? Right. For an average of about twenty seven and a half percent decline. Ouch. Okay. Um, so that's a little bit lower than the the previous, you know, the, the from nineteen forty eight. So that's a difference. One was right. since nineteen forty eight. The one was the last eleven recessions. Um, so, you know, again, so so how would you do that? Well, you know, we're back to the 60-40 allocation or maybe you're 50-50 or maybe you're even 40-60. So this is how you would customize it to what your allocation is. So if you're saying that my basic allocation is 60-40, then you would say, all right, so I'm projecting based on these numbers, historical numbers, that's what I'm going to say my 60% is going to return. Now, your fixed side should be fine in 2023. You you know, the bonds are back, okay? Short-term fixed income rates are back. I think if you, you know, typically, you know, most of our clients assume on the fixed side, they're going to earn 3%. You know, so the old idea that if you're a 50-50 allocation, let's say, and you think that your stocks or your growth can do normally 7% and your fixed can do 3%, so at a 50-50 allocation, it gets you back to a 5% return. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our clients, they say that's the number they want us to use to run their model, right? a 5% rate of return. And, you know, in that type of allocation. But now you could say, okay, well, I'm going to, um, you know, look at those, you, you know, whether you want to make your uh, uh, plan R, we sometimes call that for recession, um, whether you want to go with a, 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 a the worst case scenario, the 57% drop, right. or the maybe the best case scenario, a 14% drop. Or the average, a 27.5% drop, right? Right. So now I'm going to take, that's what we're going to assume 
the 60% of your allocation is doing if you're 60-40. And then we're just going to assume that the 40% is going to earn three mm-hmm. in all those situations, right? So doing the math under that situation, on the if you're assuming I'm going to go, I think it's going to be a shallow recession, only a 14% decline, okay, your overall 60-40 for next year, you'd be assuming a 7.2% loss. Okay. As opposed to your five or six percent rate of return that you would normally do. Mm-hmm. All right. If you wanted to go the average, okay, it would be a fifteen point three percent loss next year. Okay. Okay. If you want to take the worst case scenario, you think we're gonna have a major you know, fifty percent drop in the S and P right. five hundred, you'd be you'd be using a negative thirty three percent return for next year in your model. Okay. Is that only that's only on the Thirty-three on assets you have after, in, yeah, after in the market. That's not necessarily a hundred percent of your estate. That's what you have in. Well, that would be your sixty forty would right. be giving you back. Okay, because we're assuming the forty percent is going to earn three in all those situations. Okay, and you're still saying that's a loss of thirty three. Yes, with that three percent gain on Ouch. the forty percent. Yeah, Ouch. that's in the fifty percent. That sounds yeah. like. Now let's say you're you're not. Let's say you're a little bit more um, conservative and you're at a fifty fifty allocation. So doing the math now at a 50-50. So under the, um, the, the shallow recession, overall, you'd be down 5.5%. Well, under, that's a little bit. I like that better, Mark. Under the, <laughs> well, that's, the, you know, under the average, you know, drop of the recessions, you'd be down 12.25% double digits. And under the worst case scenario, even at a 50-50, you're still down 27%. Better than yeah, the fifty. Better, better than, than the thirty-three, the 33 but, but still twenty-seven percent. Ouch. Okay. Um, what if you were even more conservative, and you're at a forty-sixty, forty percent growth, right? Sixty percent, which fixed. some people did. Um, people panicked and park, you know, okay. park it in cash. Now the under the the shallow recession, you'd be down three point eight percent. Under the average drop in recessions, you'd be down 9.2%. Okay. And then in the worst case scenario, you'd still be down 21%. Which is still better than 33 or 27. But still 21%. So that's the, you know, now I don't think you have to build in. And, and a lot of people think that, well, part of this has already been baked into the, you know, because the right. S&P right now is down, well, as of yesterday's close, it was down 20%. So is 20% of the average 27.5% already done? Could be. All we right. don't know. Um, you know, so so now we're, we're, we're going into that. Um, but I think that's when you're talking about the allocation also, but it comes back to building a model and plan first and saying what growth rate you need. If you need a very conservative growth rate to do all the spending you want and have the lifestyle you want and retire when you want, why take on unnecessary risk? And that's what we do for our plans and then coordinate with their investment advisor if they do that on their own, talking about how they want the allocation based on what their model does, says. Right. And still, and, and it, you're going to use historical numbers. Right. But at least, though, you could still, whatever, that's what I'm saying, whatever allocation you were using right, based on reality, how you're allocated, you still can run the numbers under, under or if we have a major economic downturn. Right. Depending on how negative you want to assume. Right. But then we've had people over the years that say, hey, I want to be even more conservative and only a little bit in the market because they don't want to take on the potential loss. And frankly, they don't need to. Now, now let's spin this another way, Carrie. What are the experts saying the S&P 500 will do next year? 
Okay. Not looking back historically what They're just saying based on because it's different this time? Just what? Okay. So right? there's a range, right? Okay. So on the, you know, so currently when we're taping this show, you know, the S&P is around 3,800, 3,800 okay. plus or minus. So on the low side the, of the surveys next year is thir- that the S&P will end up at the end of 2023 at 3,400. Okay. Okay, which is about an, an additional 11.2% drop from today's value. Okay. All right. Um, on the best case scenario, the experts are saying uh, about 4,500, which would be about a 17.5% increase from the current so there okay. are some people. So that's the range. <laughs> so is, is there a double digit loss next year in the S and P five hundred, right. or a double digit return next year in the S and P five hundred? Right. That's quite a range. Meaning that nobody knows. Just mm-hmm. like nobody got it right in twenty twenty two. Right. Um, so flip a coin. All right. Now the average of the experts, so called experts. They would say that the S and P is ending next year at four thousand thirty one, which is about a five point two eight percent increase from where it stands today at the taping of this show. Okay. All right. So you could also redo the math that way and say, okay, I want to assume, you know, whether on those numbers, um, let's say you're going with the medium that you think that okay, that the the S and P is going to return five point two eight percent. So your 60-40 portfolio, same thing, assuming the 40% is going to earn the 3, okay, and now the 60% is going to earn the 5.28. So you'd be saying your 60-40 is going to do 4.37% next year, your 50-50 is going to do 4.14% next year, and your 40-60 is going to do about 3.91%. Mm. So these are these are things that we try to you know run these for our clients so they get an idea and now it leaves them in decision making mode and say okay if I want to go with the worst case scenario now I have some numbers to work with now tell me am I still going to be and okay? we can customize any scenario at the estate planning team take advantage of a free no obligation consultation call 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com and happy new year to everyone Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.